From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. This is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my honor to have as my guest, Father Stu King, joining us by telephone from Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. Father King, welcome. Uh, Thanks so much, Taylor. It's a joy to uh, be with you and the listeners today. And it's great to have you, sir. And your story is very unusual, Father King. You started out uh, as a Protestant, a Protestant preacher, and then uh, found your way into the Catholic faith and uh, uh, were ordained back in 2012, I believe, as a Catholic priest. That's right. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that unusual journey. How did you, uh, first of all, discover Christ and your vocation as a minister? And how did you go from there to become a Catholic? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely not a typical story. Um, so I, I grew up in a in a in a home um, that somewhat practiced uh, Protestant faith, but. Um, but I really didn't have a basic understanding at the same time, even even in terms of who Jesus was, that he actually was God himself in the flesh, and and uh, uh, and and also had a had a just a difficult time. didn't didn't really understand how how God would really be interested in me. had had a a, a lack of understanding of God's love or my my being how I could be worthy to receive his love, much less be called by him for, for really anything. Um, but the first, the first uh, key, key event happened when I was in sophomore in college, and, I, and until that moment I was actually pre-med, so I, was, I completed already um, several biology and, and chemistry courses and heading to, thought I was heading to medical school, and, and I was on a Christmas Eve service at our, at our uh, Protestant church back home. I was home from school on break and and uh, went went to the 11 o'clock p.m. Christmas Eve service like we did most every year. And they had a, the church had a very professional type, quality type choir, very formal. It was mostly a wealthy congregation. And so each year, right, right almost as the clock was striking midnight for going in, you know, Christmas Day, uh, in the middle of the night, we, uh, we would stand, the choir would sing the Hallelujah Chorus from from uh, Handel's Messiah. So we stood like people always do whenever the Messiah, when uh, the Hallelujah Chorus is being played or sung. And and but during this time, unexpectedly, I, I really sensed powerfully God's presence, and specifically that that He had a spe- some kind of special calling for me. And it was very profound and very unexpected. And again, I. I I couldn't understand, couldn't believe that God was calling me. Actually, that He wanted me. He wanted a, a relationship with me, had a purpose for me, and and I was. It was so powerful, even emotionally, that I was tears were streaming down my face, and and my body even was shaking. I was kind of holding myself up on the pew in front of me, and um, just uh, as this, this sense that God had a calling for me, I, I didn't know what it was, but. Um, but about three weeks later, after I gone back to school, I talked to one of my professors, and and I decided that I would that I would start stop being pre med, and that I would prepare to go to seminary. Um, although again, I didn't remember, I didn't understand 
uh, even who, who Christ was, but or let alone what it meant to be a missionary. But my sense was that missionaries were kind of like Peace Corps workers, that they uh, helped people to read and and uh, maybe clothe them in some kind of third-world country. <clears throat> it wasn't about evangelizing or spreading the gospel. So that that became my, my new course was my last couple of years in college, I would... I would uh, plan, you know, start planning for seminary, but with the with the thought that eventually I would go go to some third world country and and help people to to read and feed them. Now let's back up for a minute. Where were you going to college? Uh, so Davidson College in North Carolina. I see. And what was the yeah. town where you had the conversion experience? You say on Christmas Eve night. Uh, uh, yes, yes, in in Wil- in Wilmington, Delaware. Actually, we're where I had uh, grown up, starting at age eight, um, that was our that was the church where my my family had gone for several years, um, fairly consistently, and, uh, and that's where we were on that on that Christmas Eve night. And so you decided to change your major. What year was this, Father King? Uh, it was the the end of 1982, actually. Yeah. Kind of, kind of old now. So yeah, it was <laughs> you're about what, forty years ago. You and I are about the same age. I think you're what fifty nine. Okay. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and yes. I, I'm sixty five, so I'm a little older than you are. Uh, okay, but um, not much when you get up in the fifties and sixties. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyhow, so you, you make the uh, a serious decision, uh, you know, a, a life decision. To yes. change your major, uh, to change your vocation, uh, you, you're not going to be a doctor anymore. You're going to become a minister. So exactly. what happened? Yeah. What ha- what happened then? So I started uh, preparing to go to to uh, to a Protestant seminary, and then um, I started. I, I I felt I realized though as as I was about to start in the fall of of uh, 1985. Uh, that I, I realized how out of place I would be. I, that I um, just again because of my lack of understanding, I knew I wasn't by any means a typical Christian. I also wasn't trying to lead a, a life, a, tradi- a, a, a traditional Christian moral life, and I would do things out of my um, lack of, of, of self-esteem. I would actually do things to push people away. Um, or to test, especially if they were serious people of faith. Um, I, I anticipated that they would judge me, they wouldn't accept me, and I would actually do things that would almost force them to, to, to do that to some extent. So as I prepared, as, as months were, I'd been accepted to, to the seminary, and as it was getting closer and closer, I, I became very anxious and afraid because of not, not fitting in. And quite honestly, if I had... If I had had another plan, if I hadn't been telling people for a couple of years that I was going to do this and had some other plan, I, I probably would have canceled at the last minute. But I didn't. I didn't have another plan. I would have been very embarrassed, uh, even thinking about well, canceling at the last minute and after having told everyone I was going. And so that. So I went uh, with kind of fear and trembling and not expecting a good experience. But uh, at the um, in my second year of my master of divinity there at the seminary, I I had I entered into to counseling um, 
recognizing that I had some, some issues, some personal issues that I needed to deal with. At the end of that, my first year, I started counseling and, and, um, and painful, very painful emotions quickly resurfaced that I had been, had been denying and, and shoving, shoving out of my mind for, for many years and trying to cope. And, and then finally, um, I was in, it all came to a head one, one night I was in, uh, in a counseling session with with my my therapist and and she she and I agreed that I would close my eyes and I would envision a, a particularly painful experience that had happened about ten years before that when I was a, a young teenager and 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 I would try to in my mind recall it and with the hope that I'd be able to to shed tears or just just come to terms emotionally with with what had happened and. So I took a, I took a deep breath and and I closed my eyes as she suggested and I I, I set the scene in my mind myself and, and the other person who was involved and and allowed the tape to kind of roll as it had ten years before that, but this time uh, again to, to my great uh, amazement and, and not a, not at all what I was expecting. I saw in my mind a, a third person, not only not only me and the and the other individual who was involved, but but another another one, and, and it was a man in a with a beard and a white robe, and who I recognized was Jesus. So in my mind's eye, Jesus was 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 there, uh, and uh, as I was seeing and experiencing what had happened ten years before, and. And I could see he, he was he was he was crying for me. He was he was holding me. He was letting me know that it wasn't my fault what I was experiencing uh, as a as a thirteen year old boy. And uh, and so nothing was being said. This went on for about ten minutes. I just had my eyes closed. My counselor wasn't saying anything. I wasn't saying anything. But a couple of tears were were, were coming out of my eyes and. And then the experience ended, and in my mind, I, I, I opened my eyes, and and uh, and immediately my counselor looked at me and kind of did a double take and said, "I want you to go down the hallway into the restroom and, and look at yourself in the mirror." And I, I asked her why she was saying that, and she said, "Just just do it." So I okay, so I got up and I walked down the hallway. I went into the restroom, looked in the mirror, and immediately I saw what what she saw, which was that I looked different. My my eyes were there was a light and a brightness and a life in my eyes that that had never been there before, and and very quickly I I, I felt not only relief but but joy I felt life I felt uh, more alert even even just uh, even just um, sensations or, or thoughts emotions touch I just was more alive and. And, and very quickly as well as the days went by, I I had a had a hunger. I, I knew it was Jesus. I I knew that He loved loved me in a way that I'd never known before, uh, and I knew He wanted to be close to me, and I wanted to be close to Him. And so I I went to one of my fellow classmates, who was really the one the one person there that I hadn't allowed, to, uh, hadn't been able to push away as I was as, in, in my first year there in the seminary and. Uh, he was he was uh, an evangelical and serious about his faith in in Christ and but had stayed had stayed you know friendly to me and 
I knew he was praying for me and and caring. So I went to him and I, I asked him if he would teach me more, basically disciple me in the Christian faith and just basic ways, and, and he did. And so um, we would meet and we'd talk about the scriptures. I had a hunger for the scriptures. I also, I also interestingly, immediately had a hunger for the Eucharist uh, as and, and a real strong sense that the Lord really was present in the Eucharist. And I thought seriously about going, converting, changing to a um, to an Episcopal church, heading towards uh, ordination in the Episcopal church. But, but but frankly, I, the reason I didn't do that, even though I even though I have started attending uh, even for for daily Eucharist um, the, the local Episcopal church, I really didn't I, I really didn't change to become Episcopal at that point because I didn't I didn't want to have to start kind of start over in seminary I, and. And go to another seminary, so I took the easy way out and and uh, finished seminary, but and ended up going to uh, to an American Baptist church, even though they they don't have the same understanding certainly of the Eucharist I had, but it was really out of the fact that the pastor at one of the at one of the Baptist churches was was really reaching out to me, ministering to me in this in this this time of, of need and conversion and. And in and, and the love of the Lord, and so I, so I accepted the invitation and, and changed to um, heading towards ordination in the American Baptist Church. Finished seminary the end of the following year. Which which se- which seminary was it? Uh, it was at, it was Princeton Princeton Theological Seminary in in, uh, in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, you finish seminary, you accept a position as a Baptist minister. What then? Yes. So I started to serve. I, I was I was serving um, actually initially in in a, in a county jail, I, um, which is a work I had done as a seminary, and I was I was hired on to stay to remain there. Um, and then I and then I started a um, nonprofit organization with count, kind of both counseling and evangelism. Meanwhile, I had gotten a, a, a master's degree in social work as well. A, a year after I. Finished my Master of Divinity at Princeton. I got a Master's in Social Work from, from Rutgers. So, I, so in the early '90s, a couple of years later, I, I started this uh, this nonprofit organization, um, kind of as an evangelical uh, Protestant Christian, and that provided counseling services and also um, speaking speaking engagements to, to try to draw people closer closer to the Lord. So I, I, I did that for a few years, and then uh, until in the midst of that, starting in about 1992, uh, the next next key thing happened, which which is my the start of my journey to the to the Catholic Church. You want me to want me to go ahead and yeah, what uh, uh, yeah, what what has so you brought us up to 1992? You've uh-huh. started a counseling is that counseling service still in operation? Uh, no, no, it. it uh, we just ran for a few years in the early to mid '90s, and then it seemed like it had served its purpose. And by then, I was uh, by then I was in the military, and other people were going different directions. So it actually it actually ended. Got it. Okay, so let's uh, pick up the story from there. It's 1992. Uh, you are ordained. You're a uh, a Baptist minister. Uh, yes. How did it come about that you uh, became a Catholic and a Catholic priest? Yes. So I had, 
become friends with with two Catholic lay women and a uh, and a priest in New Jersey where I was living. A uh, priest who was from Ireland who had come over to uh, one of the dioceses in New Jersey, and they were they recognized clearly in hindsight that God was calling me to the Catholic Church a long before I did, and so they they led some retreats and they asked me to actually come and and tell about my journey to to Christ, my my Christian conversion, as part of the retreat that they were Catholic retreats that they were leading. And then I also became um, friends with another uh, another Catholic priest uh, in New Jersey at the time, and this other the other priest invited me to a uh, conference. Uh, it was a uh, the Charismatic Renewal um, in New Jersey Catholic conference, and and so I accepted the invitation and I attended this large gathering uh, conference there, and I believe it was 1992, as you said. And this time, as I'm as I'm sitting there, I'm I'm again kind of in some ways similar to what had happened when I was a sophomore in college, and and when I decided to to stop being pre med and and prepare for seminary. Um, similarly, I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the crowd during this during the the uh, during the conference, and and this time, the thought comes into my mind quite quite clearly and powerfully, the scripture. They're sheep without a shepherd, and in a, in a real sense, I want you to do something about it. And and pretty quickly, I I I I really seemed like it was you know the the, the God was you know the God was giving me that message, but but I dismissed it and said said something back to him like, well that 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 doesn't really make sense. I'm not I'm not even Catholic. How could I how could I be a shepherd or a priest to to the people here. In fact, I don't even particularly want to want to be Catholic. I'm not I'm not opposed to it, but 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 you know that's you know that doesn't really make sense. So I didn't think too much about it. But a few months later, I was back. Uh, it was about I, I went to these conferences about about every six months over a couple of years. So so roughly six months later, I was back. They had another event, and I and I went back. But and this time, the same message. But more strongly, uh, and um, and so I had a little bit more conversation, but still on the same line. Still didn't make sense to me. I, I didn't, still didn't really accept. I, I probably prayed something back to the Lord, like, Lord, that, that seems like it's you, but it doesn't. You know, as, as you know, that doesn't. I'm, I'm not. That's not something that I could pursue now. It doesn't make sense. You know, I'm not ready to do anything like that. And and how can it be you? Third time I go back. Now it's very strong again, and now it's hitting me really strongly emotionally. The same message: the sheep without a shepherd, even more strongly than ever. Um, very clearly, I sensed I, I couldn't deny it was from God. He was calling me somehow to shepherd these these the Catholics the, the Catholic, in the Catholic Church to be a shepherd. Um, it, I even had tears. I, I started to shed tears as I'm sitting there experiencing that. I talked more to the Lord about it, even while I'm still at the conference. And I think after I went back to my to my home, but but still, my basic response was, Lord, it seems like it's it's got to be you, but I I don't. It's it, you know I'm just not. It, it just doesn't make sense. I'm, it's not something I could pursue now. And and um, but I want to be open to what you want. 
And then, then well, let, let me ask you this: Sorry, uh, why, sure. why, why was it in your mind that it was something you uh, couldn't do? Um, well, I was jumping ahead to the priest, to, to you know, to the ultimate message, which seemed to be to be a Catholic priest. And when I didn't, that's a good question. When I when I didn't yet even understand, let alone accept a lot of the basics of the Catholic faith. So, um, like for example, especially. Um, the the role of the Blessed Mother or the saints in the church that that wasn't what something that I had had believed in was believing in at that point and 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 so it's like if I don't I realization if I don't believe it then how could I be Catholic let alone be a priest that, that's kind of where I see so yeah. so and what was your marital status at this point Yes I'm still single. Um, I mean, I'm in my 20s. I'm single. Um, I had a, I had a, uh, had some girlfriends, but but hadn't yet married. I see. So, um, what happened next? Because I know you, I know you got married before you uh, switched over to uh, the Catholic yeah. clergy. So, how yeah. did all that happen? And and how did you end up in the Air Force? Sure. Well, the the, fi- the final piece. Um, of this experience and this message, the sheep without a shepherd. But I, I went back at the, another time, the conferences. Then it was even it was absolutely undeniable, and I finally said to the Lord uh, in prayer over the next couple of days, I, I know it's you. I'll, I'll follow you, but I but you have to connect the dots for me to make sense out of the, the Catholic faith, and, and therefore I'd be in a position to go to Catholic seminary and, and Catholic priesthood. But if you do, or when you do, I, I promise that I'll follow. And and then I kind of set it aside. And I, I and then I, I a couple of years later, I, I met someone, another military chaplain, became friends with, who was part of a church called the Charismatic Episcopal Church. And that was that they actually had practiced all seven sacraments. They, they're, uh, the holy orders haven't been recognized as as valid yet by uh, by the Holy See in Rome, but. But they practice all seven sacraments. They looked many cases Catholic, and so I'm moving closer um, uh, towards, toward, obviously, towards the Catholic Church. And right around that time, when I was on a deployment, uh, in the same time, I met I met my wife, uh, the lady who would become my wife, and and uh, and we met her in 1996 in Hungary, where she's from, and uh, uh, and then I married her in 1997. And in her hometown, and, and brought her back, back to New Jersey, where I was, where I was living. And at um, this time, were you uh, still a Baptist preacher, or had you converted to uh, the Episcopal faith? Yeah, so I, I, I was still, uh, still a Baptist minister, but I had, yeah, I had just learned about the, the, the Charismatic Episcopal Church, and and, um, and so we started the journey towards that. And she had been Catholic herself. She has an interesting side to this, where she had become Catholic in Hungary uh, through friends when she was 13, but didn't have a good understanding. And and about a year later, shortly after after receiving the sacrament of confirmation, as, as well as of course Eucharist and and reconciliation for the first time, she fell away from the Catholic Church. Had 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 a powerful conversion though, just two months before I met her to Christ through a Pentecostal church. Uh, but they were they were opposed to the Catholic faith, and so it was actually through my journey to the Catholic Church that, that she received a, 
um, not only came back to the Catholic Church, but um, but had a you know more of a, a much better understanding uh, of the Catholic faith. So. What a story. Now, let me ask you this. We have four minutes sure. left. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. Uh, the abbreviated version, you are now a priest of the uh, Diocese of Homa, Thibodeau, Louisiana. That's right. That's uh, right. How did you wind up there? And, and, uh, yes. and uh, long story short, how did you become end up becoming a Catholic priest? Yeah, so... So things finally came together after my my promise, you know, that that if if the Lord um, made connected the dots for me and made sense of the basics of the Catholic faith, and that I would that I would follow. So it happened when I, I was studying with Orthodox Christians. My my getting my doctorate began studying with them. Even though I wasn't Orthodox, I was still part of the Charismatic Episcopal Church in 2002. And the second time I went back for a residency, most of it was on my own. I was on active duty as a Protestant chaplain. Uh, but when I went back for the second time for for a residency period, I learned from the early church fathers how, from the very beginning, um, the bishop of Rome was always the first among equals of the bishops in the church all the way back to the first century. And and then the light bulb very quickly went off in my in my mind because I knew my whole Christian faith had come through the early fathers of the Church in terms of understanding of the Holy Trinity, the canon of Scripture, the most basic things. And so, when I then learned in two in two thousand two that that uh, the, the primacy of the Pope uh, that that had been all the way back from the very beginning of the Church, um, then I, it's like okay, how can I say I I trusted the fathers? Uh, for every, the other things they said that were that were important and essential, but they but to say that they were wrong on that, so that was the critical intellectual piece that made me ready to to start the journey. So I I uh, contacted a bishop uh, after that, and in the bishop of Home Thibodeau, uh, Bishop Sam Jacobs, and started what was almost a ten year process from 2002 all the way to 2012, as you said, when I was ordained. God was working in all kinds of ways to prepare me and to form me for the priesthood. And then 2009, I separated from active duty, finally, as after being the senior Protestant chaplain in, in England, R.F. Mildenhall, uh, England, from 2006 to 2009. I, I finished that assignment and then separated from the Air Force um, with the hope of receiving the final permission that my bishop received permission from the congregation for the doctrine of the faith to begin my my formation as a Catholic priest and and thanks be to God uh, in in October of 2009 that that first permission came and and uh, and then and then I was uh, uh, three years later in 2012 I, it, it actually happened where I was ordained in the Catholic Church. Did you go back to seminary for that? I did. I, I went to. Um, uh, it's even a little bit more complicated. I, I ended up going to this seminary, Immaculate Conception Seminary at Seton Hall University from 2009 to 2011 and got my Master's of Arts in Theology there, and that was a wonderful experience where I, I really understood and, and learned more of the richness of the Catholic faith and, and what it could offer to me and others. What a story. I've been talking to Father Stuart A. King, a colonel, in the United States Air Force, uh, a convert to Catholicism, uh, started out as a Baptist minister, uh, uh, got married. How many, uh, you have a couple of children? 
five now. Oh we actually God. just in, in my in my in my old age. I, I just this year in April we had our fifth fifth child, a boy. So we have three three girls and two boys. Our oldest graduated high school uh, earlier this year, and then right around the same time that we had our we had our second son. So my 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 wife is uh, obviously this incredible gift, as are the children, and. And she really, is, they, they, may, they all make, of course, uh, significant spiritual sacrifices for me to be able to serve as a priest. But, but I found that, I think they have too, that you know, the, the, the spiritual sacrifices we make related to our vocation are, are, are sacrifices, but they're, they're not nearly as big as the blessings that, that we receive. And that's certainly been true, been true for us. Father Colonel Stu King talking to me from uh, Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, my pleasure, Taylor. Thank you. Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve.